Today's episode of Straight Cash is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Vikings tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Graff, joined today by John Krasinski. We are high above the field at U.S. Bank Stadium, taping a little bit earlier than usual, so it might be a little louder than usual, uh, before John runs over to Target Center as the busiest man in the Twin Cities market to cover a Wolves preseason game. But before he fully turns his attention to uh, basketball, We've got a 4-2 and two Vikings team on our hands that just put together probably their most impressive win of the season. Not so much in terms of, um, you know, how everything looked because there were some dominating wins before that, but just to do it against the Eagles after all that has gone on to come out and win 38-20 to and, and beat the Eagles the way that they did. Uh, what were some of your overall impressions from this game? Yeah, I thought that it was... I do think it was their best game of the season, uh, playing their best opponent for a win, at least, getting a win over the best opponent that they played this season. And then also you look at, they get out to a big lead, it shrinks down, the Eagles start to make a comeback, get it within one possession, and then the Vikings come back and pull right away. It didn't seem like they ever really lost control of the game, even though uh, things got a little bit tight there and it started to get a little bit interesting. Obviously, you know, the play of Kirk Cousins and Stefan Diggs is a huge talker today and, and, and a huge point of emphasis because given the history of the last couple of weeks, Diggs' you know, lack of um, trust in, I think, what was going on here and Cousins really coming out and throwing some darts all over the field, I think that was a needed step against a good team with a winning record uh, to come out here and really just toast an overmatched Eagles, Eagles secondary. So when you look at it from where we're sitting high above the field and trying to take a wide angle view of it, I do think this is about the best case scenario that they could have where they they just really played well. Kirk Cousins made some great throws. Diggs made some big time athletic plays and now they move on to the next game. I feel so much older after you saying the antics of the last two weeks. It's starting <laughs> to hit me that it was 11 days ago from this Sunday, from game day, that Stefan Diggs missed practice. Uh, 10 days ago since he showed up, pretended to cough, pretended he was sick, had a hood over his head. I think surprised everybody, including people within the Vikings, with what he did say about the team. The fact that that was 11, 10 days ago, and now today against the Eagles in a very important game, he goes out and has seven catches, 167 yards, three touchdowns. I think that was so important on so many levels. Uh, including just because I think both of us probably had a bit of a sense that this there, there was a possibility that this derailed and really went south in a hurry. You 
not to bring up sore memories, but you did pick against the Vikings when they went to yeah, New York because mm-hmm. uh, there was a legitimate sense that uh, it, it was all going to implode and that if if the offense didn't look good, if Kirk Cousins wasn't on his game, if Stefan Diggs wasn't involved, that things could very well, very quickly go south. Instead, uh, I think things are back on the right track. That's not to say that everything is cured long-term because um, it, I don't think that it is, but Stefan Diggs' game today, not a perfect game, um, but h- how much do you think that makes a difference just going forward? Yeah, I do think it's a, uh, it makes a big difference because when you look at when his frustration really bubbled over, it came after a loss to Chicago where the offense just could not do anything. And I think today his quote was telling that you tweeted about how Kirk Cousins answered a lot of questions today. And I don't think that was just from the media. I don't think that's just from fans. I think that there were people in that locker room, including Stefan Diggs, who wondered and maybe still do wonder a little bit if Kirk Cousins can be the quarterback that takes them to unprecedented heights around here and can really win some big games. And what you saw today was Cousins made some really big, really accurate throws. Yeah, he missed one to Diggs um, on the post. He, he kind of airmailed one to Thielen uh, that caused him to go out of bounds. That could have been a touchdown. Everything wasn't perfect, but uh, he was really on his game in the throws that absolutely needed to be made. And and so I do think that Kirk Cousins was having a uh, crisis of confidence in the locker room. And so now it's two straight games here where he's put together really strong performances. And this one against a good team, uh, hitting some major big plays when the running game wasn't as dominant as it has been uh, earlier in the season. That was a big step forward. And I think that Diggs probably is if he's going to be honest, is saying, look, I can roll with a guy who plays like this. It's the guy who really struggled against the Bears both at the end of last season and this season. It's the guy who didn't who missed the throw against the Packers. It's, it's that guy that has had me frustrated and wondering if we're kind of running into a brick wall here. But Cousins really came up big. I thought the th- third down throw to Thielen on the opening mm-hmm. drive was huge. An underrated one that kind of is easy to forget after this game, but a huge throw and really threw him open. Threw him open, which is what you've wanted. He's he, There wasn't tight coverage. Then he made a great throw um, to Thielen on the fade into the corner for the touchdown against the best red zone defense in the league. Um, and so he needed to do a lot of that. And, and I think Diggs needed to see that happen. And I also think, you know, I mean, you've seen Diggs do this a lot too, Chad, but this year, you know, Diggs, the one interception that Cousins has, it went right through Diggs' hands, and then he dropped another pass. And I feel like Diggs needs a little bit of humble pie as well. Like, look, he hasn't been perfect this year. He had the penalties against Green Bay. He's had a couple of drops, which have never been a problem for him before. He had a fumble too. Had a fumble too against Chicago, like... Had the penalty that Mike Zimmer eventually called stupid when he took his helmet off in, yeah. in Green Bay. And then even today, I think, you know, not that this proves that he's learning his lesson because this is not an example of that, I don't think. But it was, I think, funny, noteworthy, whatever you want to make of it, that after one of his touchdowns, he pretends to take off his chin strap, pretends to take off his his helmet. Um, perhaps an indication that maybe he needed some of that humble pie and uh the interception Kirk Cousins threw was a perfectly thrown right pass. through his hands. Stefan Diggs said after the game that he's been thinking about that one uh, the entire time since it happened. And that's 
you know, I, I think that's the right thing to say after a game in which everybody's going to be praising him and saying, look at him, three touchdowns. That's such a big game. Um, you know, I just think that that is noteworthy. Kirk Cousins also is never going to be the kind of player uh, on a different note who comes out and says, you guys doubted me. I can't yeah. believe people were questioning me. But I think if you read between the lines, there's definitely been some of, you know, I, he heard the criticism after the Chicago Bears game. I think he heard it loud and clear, both from his own teammates and uh, externally. He said on his own radio show that, you know, when everybody's doubting him, is that those tend to be his best games following that. And um, the stats bear that out. After that Chicago game, in which there is no doubt that Kirk Cousins was not nearly good enough, two games, he is 44 of 56 for 639 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, this is, I think this is even better than the quarterback the Vikings hoped for and expected. Like, this is glimpses of it, but the Vikings just wanted a guy who wasn't going to hurt them, that they could play defense, run the ball. Um, And I think that he's even exceeded what they've wanted the last couple of games. Now, Kirk Cousins will be the first to tell you this is just a small sample size. They're going to play a good Detroit Lions defense next week. Uh, And so this will need to continue going forward. But I, I don't know what to tell you other than it's been a heck of a last two games for Kirk Cousins when everybody, when the Sharks were circling and, and everything, you know, was looking like it was about to go south. Yeah, he's absolutely needed these two games now. They came against a bad Giants defense and a really banged up Eagles defense. But that said, he hasn't just been good against both of those teams. He's been really good. And he's done what really good quarterbacks do against overmatched defenses, and that's just shred them. So... Uh, I think the, those are positive signs, especially given all the turmoil that was surrounding him uh, going into these last two weeks. And I thought it was interesting what he said after the game. A lot of his tone was like, look, I haven't changed my approach. My approach mm-hmm. is the same every week. I play the game that's called. And what he said was that this week it was a little more aggressive. They did go, the, the calls were to go downfield a little bit more. You had the reverses, you had the end arounds, you had a lot of different elements this week that were just different from Raiders and Falcons when it was run, 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 don't get us beat. And I think that with all of the weapons that the Vikings have offensively, especially with Diggs and Thielen, who are really legit two of the top 10 receivers in the league, you can't have an approach where your quarterback is a game manager. Like that just... Is not going to be good for the long-term mental health of this mm-hmm. offense, regardless of anything else. And it sounded like it would be an okay strategy. You have a great defense. Mm-hmm. You have a great run game. All you need is, is you know, to play it safe. Don't make turnovers. Be a game manager. The idea of it, I don't think, sounds horrible, but it, it just failed in its execution because then you lose the trust of some of the best players. And we saw today... You know, what happens when you give Stefan Diggs the ball in space, whether it was through quick screens, whether it was when you hit him deep, whether it was the double reverse where Stefan Diggs did say afterward he was looking See, to pass. That I was a pass. Yep. We were debating in the press box upstairs after. I thought that it was a designed run. Um, you saw, I don't know who the receiver there was. There was a receiver going down. It might have been Johnson. I can't remember who it was. But, but yeah. Stefan Diggs was looking to pass that. And 
what a what a stat line it would have been for him oh, if man. he not only uh, had the rushes that he had in the receiving game that he had, but also sprinkled in some passing yards just for fantasy and some good measure. And hey, you know that he would have thrown into double coverage no matter what. <laughs> like he was not going to be uh, shy on pulling the trigger like Kirk Cousins has been sometimes. After all of the criticism <laughs> that he's given Kirk Cousins, he yeah, couldn't shy no, away at that. He's point. letting that thing fly. <laughs> if he could, he just had too many people in his way. Right, and I do think it's it's interesting that after the Bears game. Part of the legitimate questions were about whether Kirk Cousins was becoming a checkdown quarterback and playing right. it too safe. And I think what he's shown in these last two games is he is still willing to take shots downfield. He can still uncork it. He hit Stefan Diggs on two great deep balls, um, just missed one at the end of the half. Actually, had a funny line in after the game talking about it. Uh, was asked once again about apologizing to Adam Thielen and whether that... Um, you know, sparked things, which I, I still think is a little ludicrous because when you go back and actually yes. listen to the tape, all he said was, you know, basically said my bad. Thewin apologized to him and he goes, no, no, if anything, I should be apologizing yeah. to you. And uh, then we have to spend the next 11 days talking about the apology <laughs> that basically kind of sort of happened, but maybe didn't. Anyway, uh, he had a good line that maybe I should apologize to Stefan Diggs for missing him. But, um, you know, I, I don't know Apparently if you, you guys don't do take that, that anymore yeah, you, around here. Yeah, it's right. really well played on his part. Yeah, so he, I, I think, handled it well. But um, one of the other things he noted, even with as good of a day as it was for him, four touchdown passes, the Vikings had 38 points. It is perfectly conceivable that they have two more touchdowns there. Cousins could have hit Stefan Diggs for mm-hmm. one more and then Adam Thielen in yep. the corner. A ball only, you know, I think overthrown by inches or, or maybe a foot just at throwing most. a little too high it took just too long to get there too much air under mm-hmm. it uh Thielen wasn't able to get that second foot down and so could have been a, a monster day really and and it's worth recognizing that the Eagles secondary is banged up the Lions will probably present more of a challenge on defense and that will be a huge huge game um but great for them nonetheless the running game you know it, it wasn't as successful as it has been in the past but the Eagles have a good run defense. They've got, you know, some very good players still on that defensive line. So I don't think anything there was too concerning. Probably good to see Alexander Madison break one. Uh, Dalvin did get into the end zone um, from the one. So uh, I don't think there's anything too concerning there. Yeah, no, I th- and I think Zimmer said it after the game. Like, they, number one, the, the Eagles' strength is their run defense. And so they knew it was going to be a little harder uh, to, to get going. Number two... The Eagles absolutely made stopping the run the priority in this game. And so Zimmer was basically saying, look, um, you know, if, if they're going to do that, you have to be able to throw the ball. Just like if they're uh, if they're sagging off and only going to six or seven in the box, then you got to be able to run the ball on them. And so I do think it was more of a, situ- uh, a, a situation where the it the the play calling was dictated by the defense than than the running game not getting going. I mean, what you did see a lot of their success today, even later in the game, was off of play action. Uh, the the Eagles were biting and biting and biting just because they were selling out so hard against Alvin Cook. They didn't want him to beat them, and they, and I think quite frankly, given what Zach Brown said earlier in the week, they didn't believe that Kirk Cousins could beat them. They right. thought we're going to make. Dal, uh, Kirk Cousins beat us, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they, they really did sell out on even the play actions. Mm-hmm. They, they sold out probably more than I've seen any other yeah. team that the Vikings have played so far. Uh, everything to say, you know, we're not going to let Dalvin Cook beat us. You know, we're going to do everything that we can to stop him. And Kirk Cousins, go ahead and, and show that you can beat a good team. And so 
uh, he does that. One other thing of note that I think Mike Zimmer will be pleased with is that after all of the penalties the Vikings have endured early on in this season, one of the most penalized teams in the NFL, only four penalties for 30 yards, and really all of their possessions uh, did pretty well with the exception of the one drive that had two penalties on it. And next thing you know, it's first and 30. And, yeah. and good luck from there, uh, Kevin Stefanski. He may have had a great play call everywhere out else throughout the day, but uh, not a whole lot you can dial up there. But I do, you know, s- since we bring up Kevin Stefanski, it's, it's worth recognizing that um, I think he came into this with a really good plan. Uh, there were a lot of questions, but he has sort of done, I think, everything that he can to help bring out the best in Kirk Cousins to roll him out on some of those play actions, reset the pocket, mitigate an offensive line that still needs some work, um, has gotten more involved in some of those wide receiver screens where Kirk Cousins can get the ball out really quickly. Uh, and then you don't have to worry as much if if you know your offensive line is struggling. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the encouraging things is that the, 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 the game plans both of the last two weeks – have differed dramatically from the one against Chicago. And, you know, of course, defensive personnel dictate some of that, but also it, it speaks to a coach and a, a group saying, okay, that didn't work at all. We got to deviate from that. We've got to find different ways to get this offense going. And I, I, they know, you know, in their heart of hearts that no, no matter how much Mike Zimmer wants to run the ball, and Zimmer knows this as well, it, you, it can't be a, a situation where you're throwing the ball 10 times in a game that is tight. That's just not conducive to long-term success. You're not going to win games that way more often than not. Only when you get up 21 nothing right away to Ray and can just kind of drain the clock that way. So they, they have known that they have to get more balance in their offense and that the passing game has to be more than just a chain-moving operation. It's got to be big plays as well. And so um, they have worked hard to get back to that the last couple of weeks. And we'll see if that momentum can continue going into Detroit, going into uh, a few tougher defenses that are down the road. Given that, who would have thought that uh, we'd be sitting in the press box today watching some of these play calls and thinking, boy, they sure are running a lot about the Eagles and yeah. Doug Peterson's play calls, not the Vikings. Some some interesting calls from the Eagles and their Coach who's known for being quite aggressive, and yet, you know, I seem to pump the brakes a bit at the end of the first half on their second-to-last drive, then on their final drive, fourth and three, and it feels like you sort of have two choices. He's been a very aggressive coach. You can put the ball in the hands of one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and say, Carson Wentz, go make a play for us. Uh, or you can take the three points because you feel like you're playing well and you get the ball back at the start of the second half. And, um, you know, you didn't know this at the time, but they did go down and score a touchdown on that first drive of the second half. And yet he decides instead of doing either of those things to call a fake field goal when they had no timeouts left anyway. So even if you get it, uh, you got to worry about, you're only probably going to have one more play to take advantage of trying to get to the end zone. And uh, the play was, of course, intercepted by Everson Griffin. And just, um, I don't know, I, I wasn't super impressed by the Eagles. I don't know if that was because of uh, some strange play calls or or the injuries that they're dealing with or what, but I, I don't know. I, I was not super impressed. Yeah, no, Peterson is obviously known as one of the most inventive, creative guys, um, aggressive guys as a coach. And, I mean, we saw what they did to him in the in the NFC title game. I mean, they just murdered the Vikings with all of their... their um, inventiveness and then the Philly special and the Super Bowl, obviously all of those things. And so I did, I did watch the Eagles and that did not look like 
the typical Doug Peterson coach team. I mean, that fake field goal, you have to score a touchdown on it or else why even call it? And right. and they had one guy in the pattern that was not going to do that. <laughs> it's so, so baffling, yeah. even as you say it out loud, what in the world they were thinking with no mm. timeouts, that has to go to the end zone. Yeah. They're 30 some odd yards away. It just doesn't make any makes sense. Makes no sense. And yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they ran the ball a heck of a lot more against Linval Joseph. And I just don't know what good that does. The, um, the number of teams that still come in here or against the Vikings and early on say, we're going to try to run the ball up the middle and see how this goes. Yeah. And they're the Eagles first drive today. So the Vikings have a great drive to open the game. They get the ball. They go up seven to zero. Things are looking good. Eagles get the ball. First play up the middle, I don't know, two or three yards. Second play up the middle, two or three yards. Third play, run up the middle for a third straight time. And they go three and out because of it. The, the most inventive, one of yeah. them, like up there with Sean McVay and a Super Bowl winner for being aggressive. It just seemed to set a weird tone. But on the flip side, you know, from a Vikings perspective, you still got to make those stops. And, mm-hmm. and they did. And the defense continues to, I think, look very good. Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. Uh, are, are having great seasons at linebacker. I think Kendricks is is showing to be one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. Anthony Barr is showing why he did command so much money on, on the open market before eventually coming back to the Vikings. And and then, again, good luck dealing with Danil Hunter and Everson yeah. Griffin. Everson's back to form. Danil now has more sacks than any player in NFL history before 20, before turning 25 years old. And he's still got two more games before he hits 25. Uh, oh, to be so young again. Yeah, he's amazing. And and they, are, they have so much athleticism, so much quickness. And I, I did get um, a little bit nervous as the as the Eagles started to kind of mount a comeback and get back in. It seemed like they had figured things out a little bit. Maybe it felt a lot like the second half of the Saints game and the Miracle game where mm-hmm. Drew Brees just really kind of moved the ball pretty easily. But to their credit, they did adjust again and really – stymied uh the eagles they got you know the the mckenzie alexander interception was a great play um and and they just they did enough to shut down a good quarterback in carson wentz who was playing well i mean he was moving around he's making strong throws they had a couple of breakdowns but all in all they were able to just keep the the damage to a minimum which is that what they've done for really for most of this season it's been it's been good. So if I mean, if if the defense can be this consistent and this solid, and then you get somewhere closer right. to what the offense did today, you don't even need 38. But if you can even get you know high 20s and into the 30s, you're going to have a chance to win every single game that way. And so it's going to be just critical for the Vikings to kind of keep going with this. And and the key is hopeful hope that they discovered something different. Um, and they, they're not just taking advantage of a couple of weekend opponents. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Kevin Stefanski and his play calls and stuff, but I do think it's worth noting that, you know, he sort of went toe to toe with one of the best offensive play callers yeah. in the NFL and brought out some really imaginative stuff. Uh, Arifas on his detailed his end arounds and the use of that ran two of them today with Thewin and Diggs ran a double reverse pass where Diggs mm-hmm. was going to throw it. Ran a play where Kirk Cousins was the lead blocker and and really, you know, had either Cousins delivered a different block or Diggs cut inside. That's an even bigger gain, and it was already a first down. So uh, it, it wasn't just that Stefanski, I think, was pushing the right buttons, but also he wasn't afraid. He he came out here and, and made some really bold play calls today. It takes guts to to call the game the way that he did. I mean, you are you're playing a team. 
that is pretty good. You're with a quarterback that does not have a history of playing well against uh, really good teams. And so it's easy to come in a little bit tight and maybe lean a little more toward the conservative side. But Kevin Stefanski did not do that today. Um, He really did let the dogs off their leashes and let them run. And I think that the entire offense felt empowered by that. And so it was a really good mix. And then I do think as they built the lead early, that helped him to have even more comfort in pushing the, keeping to push the envelope. They had a little bit of margin for error. So, um, you know, I just, yeah, I thought it was really well played. Uh, And he, you know, don't even, you, you mentioned Doug Peterson and what Stefanski was going against that way. He's also going against Jim Johnson, who is mm-hmm. a really good defensive coordinator, especially in, in, in trying to generate pressure and, and, and confuse quarterbacks and then confuse offenses. But um, the Eagles have had trouble getting home in the pass rush this season. And I, I think that they designed plays to um, keep them on their heels a little bit more. I thought you know, the one long touchdown to Diggs, Ham was in the backfield on a play action and so I do think it gave a run look. I think the defense looks at it and says, I say CCJ Ham, first down, they're going to run the ball and try and you know churn some clock. But play action fake, Diggs is wide open, touchdown. So um, really well done. I, I think that this has got to be kind of the, the right mix and the right sauce to use going forward here to make this offense not just um, chain movers but dynamic, which they have – the capability of being. Yeah, that'll be interesting to follow as they go face Matt Patricia's Lions. Before we let you run over to Target Center, John, and and figure out what's going on uh, with the Wolves tonight in their preseason game, let's get your sort of big picture thoughts. The Vikings have now won a couple games in a row. They're four and two. The schedule, you know, maybe doesn't look quite as daunting as it once did. They, They get an extra day of preparations over the Lions who have to play Monday night in what I think will be a very interesting game against the Green Bay Packers. After that, uh, the return of Adrian Peterson and Case Keenum against a Washington team that is not very good and nearly lost to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Just fired their coach, and then um, one week beyond that, going to Arrowhead. And will never be easy to face Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have some cracks. They're vulnerable. They lost again this week. So uh, what are your big-picture thoughts on where the Vikings are at and, and how you see things going forward? Well, I do feel a lot better about them today than I did walking into the stadium. I, you know, I had a, a friend text me and just say, what do you think about the Vikes? And I said, well, no more after today. I do think this is their best win of the season. This was their most complete performance. And so it shows me a little bit more of what they're capable of. I just, yeah, I, I didn't trust them even in the Giants game. They played, they, they won that game. Who cares? The Giants stink. But um, this was a, a very emphatic performance, I think. And so I do have more confidence in their ceiling than what I did maybe before uh, coming into this game. It doesn't mean that I think they're going to the Super Bowl yet, but a team that just 11 days ago, as you said, seemed to be really teetering on the brink of disaster has now really not only just stabilized itself, but shown that it has an ability to do some real damage. And so I do think it's going to get interesting over these next few weeks. If they're able to win at Detroit, you got to figure they hammer the Redskins at home. And then who knows what happens in Kansas City. But I mean, they could could be be 
fascinating. Could six a, and two going to six Arrowhead? and two, that, seven that and two. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. And um, that's what we kind of have thought about the talent level from top to bottom of this roster for a while. We just haven't seen it realized. I think we've got closer to what the the full potential of this roster was today. And uh, so we'll see uh, we'll see what that means going forward for these guys. But I do walk out of the stadium tonight a lot more um, uh, confident or a lot more uh, optimistic about where this team could go if they can keep this going. That, of course, the voice of John Krasinski. Make sure to follow him on Twitter and read all of his stories on The Athletic, uh, especially Timberwolf stories as the basketball season picks up. Before we go and end this episode of the Straight Cash Podcast, I did want to talk to you about one other podcast. Straight from the source with Michael Russo, uh, who both of us know very well and, and have enjoyed giving him a hard time. But he, uh, he's got a really interesting podcast out now where he sits down with a rotating panel of guests from the wild, people around the league, uh, talks to them about their life in hockey. This week's episode is with Ryan Carter, uh, the always funny and affable former NHL forward. He discusses the transition to the media world. Uh, he works now with the Wild website, a rotating color analyst on Fox Sports North. Uh, Russo wrote a really interesting story about him that you should check out on The Athletic, uh, but also make sure to check out Straight From The Source, a podcast that you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and as always, thank you so much for listening to this show, the Straight Cash Podcast.